0: The word of the Lord today is, Lord, heal our land. Lord, heal our land. If you have a Bible, go to Matthew 24, verse 12. Yes, we get excited about the word of God. Jesus said, in the last days, there will be an increase of lawlessness, and the love of most will grow cold. I believe we are in those last days. I believe there is an increase of wickedness. There's an increase of violence, of racism. I mean, just all kinds of darkness and immorality, sexual morality. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And and Jesus is the one who's speaking. He says, during those days, many people will grow cold in their love towards one another. Families will betray each other. Fathers, sons against fathers, daughters against mothers. But while Jesus is saying this, he says, but those who stand firm. In other words, there's a there's another group of people who are not going to live like that, who are not going to lose their love walk. There's another group of people that are called who will be marked and defined by their love. The world will know you are my disciples because you love one another. That's the church right there. Jesus said, what will set the church apart in the last days? is not their knowledge. It's not their theology. uh, as far as, you know, what they believe it's what they live like if they live like love the world will know they are the disciples of Jesus love is not just a thought love is not just an intelligent idea love is a verb it is an action when the world sees love in action Jesus says that's the church that I'm coming back for a church that will be marked by love so Let's go to, uh, what, what does that look like? What, in our world right now, there's all these things going on. There's hurts, there's protests, there's wounds, there's... Uh, I believe that there is, in the midst of everything going on, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do some deep healing work in our country. If you don't believe that, then I think you should read the Bible. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is always at work, even in the midst of the hurts and the wounds that happen in society. When you look in the New Testament, there's a moment where Peter is having these prejudicial issues towards non-Jews. He doesn't really want to hang out with them. He doesn't want to be seen with them. He doesn't want to preach to their churches. He only wants to hang out with his Jewish brothers and sisters. And yet Peter is a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. And if you were to look at this moment, Paul the apostle, he's preaching to these Gentiles, which are non-Jews, And Paul says, hey, Peter, he calls him to the side. He says, Peter, what's wrong with what's wrong with you, bro? Paul says this to Peter. He says, you you claim to be a follower of Jesus. You claim to love all of humanity, but you won't be seen with this people group over here. You won't sit with them. You won't hang out with them. You won't go to their church. You won't you won't preach for them. What's going on? And Paul begins to talk to Peter and helps Peter to change his perspective. That was a Holy Spirit conversation that led to the multiplication of the church. When love invades your heart, it leads to multiplication of salvations, multiplication of healing, multiplication of peace in your home, peace in your family, peace for your kids. When love invades your heart, you look more like Jesus. Jesus. And love touches every corner. So, Jesus talked about what does it look like to love our neighbors? How does that look? How does how does it look to love people in authority, people who are not in authority, people on in this house, people in that house? In fact, let's go there together. Let's go to Luke chapter ten. Luke chapter ten. And uh, yeah, you can you can shout again if you want to. <laughs> Holy Spirit, speak right now. Luke chapter ten. Verse 25, there was an expert on the Bible. At that time, there were no Bibles, but there was scrolls, there was scriptures, there was the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all the prophets. And so these people who studied the prophets, who studied Moses, who studied the law, they would talk to Jesus and they would question Jesus. And one of those experts came to test Jesus. And he said, teacher, what do I have to do to go to heaven? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Ding, 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 ding. Do this, and you will inherit eternal life. Not only will you live one day in heaven, but heaven wants to live in you while you are on earth. But Jesus said, don't just think this, don't just ponder this, do this. Everybody say, do this. That was his response, do this. Do this commandment. Do this love walk. And so then the man says, he wants to justify himself, and who is my neighbor? What does it mean for me to love my neighbor? In response, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now let me stop right there. This is a Jewish man who has been attacked by robbers. He's dying, he's bleeding, he's crying, and one of his Jewish brothers, a priest, a pastor, someone who you would think would stop and help the man. Now, Jesus is telling this story. We don't know if it happened. Jesus was saying, here's a story to illustrate what love looks like. Jesus would often do this with parables. And what Jesus wanted everyone in the crowd to know is, the guy you think is supposed to stop and help him doesn't. He looks at the man, and he just keeps on walking. He sees him, but he doesn't stop. Love stops. Love stops. When someone's hurting Love doesn't carry an indifferent spirit. Love doesn't carry an avoidant spirit. Love doesn't say, "I'm not going to look that direction." I I know he's my brother, but I don't want to pay attention to that. That I, who, how did he get hurt? What was he doing to get hurt? Why does it matter what he was doing to get hurt? The story isn't about how he got hurt. The story is the fact that he was hurting. And you just walk past him. Love doesn't do that. According to Jesus, love doesn't even try to figure out how the man got hurt. Love doesn't try to reason. Well, let's let's go on Twitter and let's debate how the man got hurt. Because I think, you know, no, 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 no. Jesus said love doesn't even try to figure out how he got hurt. Love stops, listens, kneels down. And lifts the man up. Now, you could get mad about that, but that's scripture. That's what Jesus said love did in this moment. So Jesus says the priest just looks at him and avoids him and walks to the other side. And now a Levite. Now, this isn't a pastor. This would be like a deacon. This would be like someone who serves in the church, who's been in the church for a long time, who's dedicated their life to serving God and serving serving in the temple, studying the scripture. They don't preach the scripture, but they, they really give their life to this scripture, to this scroll. This Levite, when he came to the place, he saw the man, but he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, Came where the man was, and when he saw this man. Now, let me stop right there. Samaritans and Jews, they did not get along. Jesus talked about this, that Samaritans and Jews, they didn't eat at the same restaurants. They didn't go to the same church. They had different temples. They didn't even cross in each other's neighborhoods. They stayed away. And yet Jesus said in John chapter 4, I have to go through Samaria in order to get to Jerusalem. You can't get to Jerusalem unless you go through Samaria. We cannot get to the promised land unless we address Samaria. We cannot be a citizen of heaven if we do not confront the sins of of what's been going on in our past. Jesus said, I wasn't responsible for the racial divide between Jews and Samaritans, but I am responsible in my generation to bring healing for what has happened for hundreds of years between Jews and Samaritans. I cannot go to the cross until I walked through Samaria. Jesus talked to a Samaritan woman at the well and all of his disciple friends made fun of him for it. All of his disciple friends talked behind his back. You can read John chapter four, different story, but Jesus was connecting the fact that Samaritans and Jews, they didn't, they didn't help each other out. And yet Jesus said, here's what love looks like. Love does not judge anyone by the color of their skin or the neighborhood they grew up in. It does not judge people based on what they've experienced in the past. Love stops. Love listens. Love heals. The Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw this man who was lying there hurting, he didn't go up to him and interview him and say, how'd you get down here? He didn't stand there and reason and logic about how this could have happened. It says he knelt down and he had pity on him. And he went to him and he began to bandage his wounds. You can't bandage someone's wounds who's on the ground and you're standing up here. I can't bandage someone who's been hurting standing up here while they're lying down. I've got to get right beside him in the sand. I'm sorry. You didn't do anything. I know. I'm just sorry this happened to you. Paul, stop apologizing. I'm not apologizing for any other reason except that this person's hurting and he's been passed by. Several people did nothing. I'm just sorry that happened. This situation shouldn't be. This was unnecessary. You should have been cared for a while ago, but here I am. I'm going to bandage your wounds, I'm going to help you. And then. He lifts him up because love lifts people up. And it says he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an end and he took care of him. So then love pays the price. Love cares. Love pays the price. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him. Love follows up. Love follows up on people. Love says, I want to know how he's doing. I want to make sure he gets better. I want to make sure that he doesn't stay like this. I want to make sure that things change. I want to make sure that wounds get healed. I want to do whatever it takes, however much I have to pay. Well, Paul, that's a little radical. Love is radical. Love is radical. Unconditional love. That's the agape radical love that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about phileo love. That's brotherly love. That's loving someone because you just get along with them. Your brothers, your friends. I'm not talking about Eros love. That's romantic love. That's loving someone because you're attracted to him. You're attracted to her. You like them. There's an attraction. I'm talking about agape love. Agape love is unconditional God kind of love that says, I love you because you are a human and you were made in the image of God. And because I love you and because you're a human, I want to help you when you're suffering. I want to lift you up. I want to help you in any way that I can. But Paul, are you guys even friends? Are you related? Why would you do that? Because that's a child of God. That's why I would do that. Well, Paul, I just don't know if that's going to work around here. I don't know if we can afford to help everybody. Jesus says, "Do what you can for the person who's right in front of you. If you see them, don't ignore them. If you see them stop, if they're if they're crying out, don't turn a deaf ear. Listen to the cry. Help, respond, lean in, lift up." And then Jesus said, "Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers?" Now, don't read into this story too much because it doesn't necessarily matter how the person got hurt. It matters who stopped to bring healing to the person who was hurting. Right now, in our nation, there's hurts, there's wounds. And I know not everyone in this room has done something wrong to contribute to the hurts and the wounds in our nation. So this may not be for you at all. This may just be something just to remind you of who you already are, what you already carry. Or it may just be a a continual reminder to say, that's the kind of love I want to walk in. I want to walk in that agape love. I want to carry that unconditional love on a greater level. But our nation needs healing. Our nation needs healing. I remember as a kid, my mom and dad, um, they, they began to tell me how our church changed in the late 80s. My dad had an African-American preacher come and preach for him. He did this all the time in the 80s. But one time, this preacher said, Billy Joe, your church is all white. And that's not what heaven's going to look like. And instead of my dad feeling angry or upset or defensive when he said that, he said, you're right. I'm going to change that. He said, here's how you should change it. Tell me, Billy. Bill, my dad said, tell me, how, how can I change that? How can our church look more like heaven? He said, you're going to have to have a diverse staff. You're going to have to have a diverse stage. You're going to have to have diversity throughout your church in multiple leadership positions. You are going to have to take some humbling approaches to this. You know what? My dad didn't defend himself. He didn't deflect it. He didn't avoid it. He carried that out. And today we have an interracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church because Billy Joe and Sharon said, on our watch, we're going to build a church that looks like heaven. And I carry the same heartbeat as my dad. I carry the same heartbeat as my dad. My dad, he told me, he said, Paul, when we started changing our church, I had 12 Caucasian families come to me and say, don't do this, Billy Joe. We like the way it is right now. And my dad told them, I love you and the door will always be open, but I am not going to bow down to your request. I want our church to look like heaven. He said, all 12 of them left. But God just began to grow our church in a very beautiful way. The answer is not to be colorblind. The answer is to celebrate every color and see every color as beautiful and a beautiful expression of God. I'm looking at beautiful people this morning from the front row to the back row. You are gorgeous. Your skin color is gorgeous. Ashley and I, we've been, you know, just uh, carrying that same heartbeat. And and our kids, they're just friends with everybody. But Liam, the other other day, he walked up to a young girl, African-American girl, and he said, I like the way you look. Will you be my friend? And she kind of looked at him like, why are you trying to hit on me? (laughs) You know, but Liam, Liam celebrates. This is what God's called us to do. Celebrate every expression. Every one of us is an image expression of God. Men and women. Women are a beautiful expression of the image of God. Men are a handsome expression of the image of God. Men are not better than women. Women are not better than men. White people are not better than black people. Black people are not better than white people. Asian people are not better than Hispanic people. Latino people are not better than Native Americans. We are all equal. We are all children of God. And we all got to treat each other with that dignity and respect and celebration And when one of us is hurting, we say, Hey, how can I help you with that? What can we do? Well, here's what you could do you could do this, and you could do this, and you could do that. You know, one of the best things that Job's friends did when Job was going through tough times, one of the best things they did was just listen. Just listen. When they started talking, is when it got bad. (laughs) When they were listening, healing was happening. Just a week ago, by the way, I'm gonna do that tonight. Me and Pastor AJ are going to stand on stage and I'm just going to listen. And Pastor AJ is going to share his heart with me. And we're going to have this counselor from North Carolina. She's been counseling people for 50 years. She's in her 70s and she really focuses on healing the heart. She's going to zoom in with us and we are going to have a healing conversation on racial reconciliation, justice, peace, healing in our land. And I'm just going to listen. This last week, I was on the phone with a group of pastors, and I was the only um, Caucasian pastor on the phone call or Zoom call. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, shut your mouth in a real gentle way. Just listen. You haven't walked through some of the things that some of the minorities that are on this Zoom call have walked through. So just listen. And when there's a chance, if they ask you, hey, Paul, what's your thoughts on this? What's your response to this? Didn't respond, but just listen. So I was listening, and as I was listening, my heart began to break. One of the young guys on there, he's uh, he's a Latino, and he said, you know, I was golfing with some guys in California a year ago. I was golfing with a group of pastors. And he said, a golf cart about 200 yards from us pulled up on the middle of the golf course and began working on one of the sprinklers or something. And the other pastors were Caucasian, and they said, hey, tell your people to get off the course. And he said, hold up, you, you don't even know, you can't even see them, they're 200 yards away, why would you say my people? And he said, immediately I was hurt, because here's a, here's a group of buddies, and they said, come on, Josiah, don't worry about it, we're all friends. We're just kidding. And when Josiah shared that on the phone call last week, I started tearing up. I had to walk away for a second. I said, man, I am so sorry that happened to you. Paul, it wasn't you. I said, I know, but I just want you to know that was wrong. And that we you don't joke about someone's race like that. You do, and you don't say things with just sweeping generalizations, meanness, rudeness, harshness. And I said, if I'm ever in a conversation where someone makes a joke about any race, I will make sure that I rebuke them in the moment and say, do not talk about people like that. Do not talk about God's people like that. Do not talk about my brothers and my sisters like that. And one of the pastors began to share his experience. And again, I I started to just say, man, I'm I'm sorry that happened to you and I know you don't need my apology and he said Paul I don't need your apology I just am thankful you're listening but he said I honestly think there's people who are listening that are appreciative of that apology because it feels nice to know a leader feels empathy and compassion and carries a humble response instead of a defensive tone about the pain that minorities have experienced in this country. And he said, um, it's rare when a leader just apologizes these days in America. So thank you just for carrying that tone. I didn't need it. And that, that to me is wrong because I think Jesus speaks about love being a humbling thing. That, that there is a tone we're called to walk in of kindness. I remember when my friend Wu Wan came to Victor Christian School in 10th grade, transferred here from China. And a year went by before he ever had a hug from an American. I was the first American to give him a hug. And he, he, he was crying when I gave him a hug on a mission trip. God had to open my eyes on a mission trip to realize there was a, a brother in my class that had gone a whole year without getting a hug. And he said, you know, I've, I've been called a lot of things and I've been ignored and I haven't been invited to parties and I haven't been included at lunch tables and thank you for hugging me. It just means a lot. It just means a lot that you hugged me. It means a lot that you hugged me because... You're a white guy, and you hugged me. It it would be one thing if an Asian person came and hugged me, but you hugged me, and that meant something to me. Can I tell you, church, all of God's children, we are called to love one another, and when we do that, healing begins to flow. Love begins to flow. It it begins to bring restoration, reconciliation. Jesus said, or uh, John, beloved, the apostle, in 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8, he said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. He that loveth not, knoweth not that God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. Come on, how many of y'all remember that? All right. First John 4 says God is love. He that loves is born of God. He that loveth not, knoweth not. God. How can you say you love God when you hate a brother? How can you say you love God when you hate a president? How can you say you love God when you hate policemen? How can you say you love God when you hate a race? How can you say you love God when you will not love someone in a restaurant, when you treat a waiter wrong, a waitress wrong? How can you say you love God when you make fun of certain white people, when you make fun of certain black people, when you make fun of certain Hispanic? How can you say you love God when you treat God's creation with contempt? For we are the image bearers of God. How I treat you is how I view God. If I treat you with disrespect, then I disrespect God. If I treat a woman with disrespect, if I treat my wife with disrespect, I'm disrespecting God himself. This isn't just about race. This is also about gender love. Men and women got to love each other. We got to stop. this. There's a demonic attack on on masculinity and femininity. There's a demonic attack on unity in the church. There is divisiveness. 2020 is not an accidental year. I heard some people say um, 2020, man, we we started off with great expectations. The roaring 20s and then coronavirus hit and then the restrictions hit. The pandemic hit the pandemic hit and then. All of these things start happening. Protest feels like 2020 wasn't the year that we all. No, no. 2020 is a prophetic year. This is the year we've been waiting for. This is the year where our nation gets healed. This is the year where generations rise together and bring hope and healing, and reconciliation, and have change that reflects the kingdom of heaven in our cities and communities and neighborhoods. And you might say, "Well, Paul, what does that look like?" I don't know, but I want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven invading earth. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do my part. I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak up when I hear or feel any type of discrimination against a race or against a gender. I am going to train my children up to love people the way that God loves them unconditionally. I am going to check myself. I'm going to carry a spirit of love. Hatred cannot solve the murders that have happened in our nation in the last five weeks. The last... 400 years. Hatred is not going to solve the problem. Love will. Love will conquer hate. Jesus said it. You say, well, that's a good idea. But who said that? Jesus said it. Love triumphs. Love never fails. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love forgives. Love confronts. Peter had to confront. Paul had to confront Peter. Jesus had to confront his disciples to say, hey, do not treat Samaritans like this. We love all people. So that's what love does. First John 3:18 says, "Let us not just love in word, in thought, but let us love in action." I remember being on this mission trip, and um, we were in Balinn. It's a town in the Philippines. And all of a sudden, Balinn is made out of trash. It's the poorest city in Southeast Asia, and it's literally the garbage comes in from the ocean. By the way, all of the trash that's, that's kind of not disposed or burned, a lot of it ends up in the ocean, and a lot of that gets carried into this specific area, at least in Asia. In Berlin, all of this trash has piled up from the ocean into this, the, the beach area, and the people have made their homes out of the trash, and they don't have money to buy food, and so they're sniffing glue out of these plastic bags to deal with hunger pains, in the last days, there will be famines, there will be earthquakes, there will be plagues, there will be lawlessness, and love of many will grow cold. I remember just watching as teenagers and, and all, all different ages are sniffing this glue, just staring at us, and their stomachs are sucked in. You could see the rib cages, not wearing shoes, not wearing shirts. And to be honest, I just said, Lord, I want to be a part of this solution. I am sorry if I have been greedy at any moment in my life. I am sorry if I have not been generous in any moment in my life. I want to be a part of the. Who wants to be a part of the solution in our world right now? Okay, to be a part of the solution, you got to carry a heart of humility. Solutions don't come with the spirit of pride. Solutions don't come with an indifferent spirit. Solutions don't come when we turn a blind eye or a deaf ear. Solutions come when we stop, we listen, we we get down with those who are in the ground, and we lift them up and say, I'm going to be a part of the solution. I'm going to do whatever I can to bring healing in this area. So there we were. We were in Belen, and this little boy runs up to me in his undies. He was probably three or four. Didn't have shoes, didn't have a shirt, didn't have shorts. At that time, my wife and I didn't have kids. We were enjoying the married life without children season. And now we, now we love our season with four kids. But at that moment, I wasn't a dad. And this little boy runs up to me and he jumps in my arms. And, um, and I'm not sure what to do. I'm kind of standing there, just awkward. And he's just looking at me and then he goes, and he sneezes snot all over me. And then he wipes it on my shirt. And I'm like, oh, in the name of Jesus. I don't want to hold this boy. Someone else take him. And I heard God say, not audibly, but just in my heart, hold him like I hold you. Hold him like I hold you. And I just kind of paused and I thought about it. How do you hold me? And God said, you're a mess. And I still hold you. I was like, thanks Lord, but God's right. I am a mess at times. I am like, I get really sensitive and emotional and I'm just not a perfect person. Like I just, I react sometimes, I get angry sometimes. I, I get impatient with people sometimes. And God said, I don't drop you when you sneeze on me. I don't drop you when you slobber your junk on me. I squeeze you even tighter hold this boy the way I hold you. So I'm holding him and next thing I know, some warm liquid starts flowing down my shirt. The boy starts peeing on me. And I heard God say, this is what it's like when I hold you, Paul. (laughs) I was like, and God said, don't let him go. So I just held him for 30 minutes, just held him. He just looked at me and smiled. Just looked at me and smiled. And I don't have an end to the story. I didn't lead him to Christ. I didn't pray the salvation prayer with him. But he watched the drama. And I think he felt the love of God that day. I think he felt that someone was in the streets of his neighborhood and did not go like this to him. Someone was right there. In fact, we sat down. I sat down uh, just like this, and he just sat on my lap. And I just held him while the drama was going on. Ashley probably remembers this, but I'm just holding him. And the more I held him, the more my heart began to break for him. And I thought, oh, God, if I could adopt this boy, I would. But I just pray that this boy knows how much you love him. So what does love require of us? Number one, love requires us to see with God's eyes. See with eyes of love. What am I asking us to do today? Number one, we've got to learn to see with eyes of love. Some of us, our eyes have been conditioned with the wrong vision. We're seeing people through the lens of what we've heard from other people, what we've heard maybe even from parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, friends. And, and, and that vision, my wife, she, she, there was a season where she was, she was starting to need a set of glasses, And when she, or I don't know, I don't don't wear glasses, so whatever you call it, just a pair of glasses. I'm I'm not good with language at times. But (laughs) When she got her pair of glasses, all of a sudden she could see things that had gotten blurry before that pair of glasses. When you get the right pair of glasses, when you get the right lens for your eyes, you're able to see clearly. And I just wonder, if some of us, we've got some blurry vision with people groups, with women, with men, with this ethnic group, with this person, with Jewish people, with Arab people, with immigrant, whatever the, the situation is, God says, no, 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 I want you to see them the way you see your mother, your father, your children. I want you to see them the way you see your, I want you to see them. And some of us have blurry vision towards ourselves. It's hard for us to love our neighbor because we don't even love ourselves. Some of you are just carrying self-hatred. You don't like the way you look. You wish you were skinnier. You wish you were bigger. You wish you had tanner skin. You wish you had uh, a different type of skin. You wish you had uh, their hair, or you wish, I don't know. Some of us just have a self-hatred, a self-loathing spirit. You can't love your neighbor until you get healed to love yourself. While I was on the phone with this group of pastors, one of them said, Paul, you keep saying, Lord, heal our land but your ethnicity has not experienced the hurt over the last 400 years that my ethnicity has. So should you say, Lord, heal these people groups that have experienced the most hurt and pain? And he said, I'm healed, but I'm saying, I'm speaking on behalf of people that are hurting right now in the streets and in our church that speak to me on matters of of hurt from racial uh, discrimination. And I said, yeah, that makes sense. But I said, I do believe that God wants to heal all people. And I said, what if the healing in someone from an ethnicity that has not been discriminated against, what if the healing that needs to happen in them is not a healing from wounds they've incurred? What if it's a healing from mindsets they've grown up with? What if it's a healing of the mind? What if it's a healing from racial prejudice that was passed down to them from generation to generation? What if they need to be healed from the hatred that's inside them? And he said, wow. And he was teaching me so many things. He said, you just taught me something I've never thought about. That even the perpetrator needs healing. Even the guy who committed a crime, even the brutality that happened, that was unnecessary, even that person who did that, he needs healing. She needs healing. Because something's not right. The way that they're seeing people, certain people, Through a lens of fear, through a lens of I'm going to hurt you before you even try to hurt me because I think you're going to hurt me. There's a healing that needs to happen here and here that only the Holy Spirit can bring. So number one, we've got to learn to see with eyes of love. Number two, we've got to learn to listen with ears of love. Now, again, if you don't like this message, just go through the Scriptures and and just test this against the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the stories of Jesus and the words of Jesus. And if you don't like what I'm saying, just read through the New Testament. Go, uh, you know, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Just see if it lines up with Scripture. I never want to preach something that's just my opinion. I want to preach the Scripture because the world needs Scripture. The world doesn't need opinions. The world needs Jesus. The world needs the words of God. Jesus listened to the Samaritan woman, Jesus listened to those who were hurting, Jesus listened to those who were caught in destructive behaviors, Jesus would listen and then he would respond. He would listen to people and then he would comfort. He would listen to them to better understand the need. He would say, I hear that you're crying out for help, but what can I do for you? I'm blind. I can't see. Okay, now Jesus is asking questions to understand what is the diagnosis. I've been hurt. I'm here in the dust because of a crime I committed. And Jesus gets down in the dust and says, who of you with with no sin cast the first stone? So Jesus would listen and then he would respond. God gave us two ears. One mouth so that we can listen more than we talk. Number three, and I want the keys to come out, feel with a heart of love. God wants us to feel it. He wants us to feel it. There was a, a cosmetic company, that a very famous cosmetic company that did a contest several years back where they asked their customers and anyone to submit a picture of the most beautiful woman they've ever seen. The company would pick the top 100 pictures, and then they would vote on the top 10 pictures of the most beautiful woman, and then they would have a vote for the number one most beautiful woman in the world. Thousands of letters with pictures were sent in, and the company um, not only wanted a picture, they wanted a letter describing who this person was, who this person was. There was one picture that came with a letter that shocked the whole company, went all the way to the top. And the CEO was taken back when they read the letter and saw the picture. It came from a little boy. And he wrote this letter attaching a photo. He said, I come from a broken home. I live with my dad. My mom is in prison. I'm oftentimes very lonely. I'm having issues at school with classmates and with teachers and coaches. I live in a rundown part of town. But there's one bright spot in my life. She is the most beautiful woman in the world to me. This beautiful woman, she lives down the street from me. We meet up every single day. And she makes me feel like I'm the most important person in the world. She plays games with me. She talks with me about anything and everything. She interacts with me and understands me. She listens to my problems. When I leave her house, she yells out to me, I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you. So enclosed with this letter was a picture of the lady and she had no teeth. She was smiling but had no teeth. She was well advanced in years. She was the, she had gray hair but she was losing hair in spots of her head, wrinkles all over her face, not the, type, uh, not the body type of a lot of the other pictures that were sent in, but she had a gorgeous twinkle in her eyes. The president of the cosmetic company said, we can't use this entry. We can't use this entry. It would show the world that our products aren't necessary to be beautiful. They went ahead and showed the entry, reminding people that beauty has nothing to do with outer looks. You can be the most attractive person in the room, but when you carry an ugly spirit on the inside towards your people, towards God's children, it just cancels the attractiveness on the outside. It's that inner beauty of the heart that says, I see you. I love you. I'm here for you. The most beautiful people in the world are the people who carry a heart like Jesus, gentleness, humility, kindness. They feel your hurt. They feel what you're walking through. God wants us to feel what other people have walked through, what they've experienced. You don't know what it's like until you walk a day in their shoes. Number four, be an intentional advocate for love and healing. Be an intentional advocate for love and healing. In other words, Do something to bring love and healing. My mom and dad, they started teaching us at a very young age what has happened in our nation. And so I remember at seven years old, my parents had me watch a movie called Roots, which is an intense movie to watch as a seven year old. And I remember afterwards asking my mom and dad questions like, why did that really happen? Surely this, this didn't happen, did it? Who would take a human being and tie them to a horse and drag them down the road like that? This, is, this, this isn't true, is it? This happened? This, this happened to multiple people. My mom and dad wanted me to understand what has happened in our country so I can not only feel what's happened, but so I can be an advocate to make sure we're going to bring healing. I remember my dad holding hands and then we watched a movie called Perfect Harmony and then we watched the Ernest Green story and and just movie after movie because I didn't read a whole lot of books, but each of these movies, I would cry. Then we'd come together as a family and my mom and dad would say, We're going to be a family that brings healing and racial reconciliation in our community, in our city, in our world. We're going to work to make sure everybody feels valuable. Everybody gets opportunities. Everybody feels equally treated. No one is superior over another person. Everybody's going to walk in love together. That's still the cry of my heart. That's the cry of our family's heart. So this week, Ashley and I, we were talking, what can we do? What can we do? Let's, let's go outside together and let's just do a prayer walk. I remember reading a book called The Circle Maker. And in this book, there's this moment where he talks about how he walked this circle around Washington, D.C., this author of the book. And everywhere he walked, he prayed for, the, for um, Washington, DC. And he prayed that God would give him a heart for the people in that area. And he prayed that God would give him territory. By the way, what's going on in our nation right now, it is a war, it is a spiritual battle for territory. The enemy wants to take the United States of America. The enemy wants to divide people. The enemy not only wants to take the US, the enemy wants to take the whole world. The enemy wants the whole world to rise up in hatred and and in fights and quarreling and divisiveness, but love conquers hate. And when we get connected to the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter six says, you are not in a fight with flesh and blood. You are in a fight with principalities and powers of this dark world. Make no mistake. Racism is demonic. Violence and murder is demonic. Revenge is demonic. Hatred is demonic. But love is divine. Love is divine. There is no inch of love in, the, in Satan. There is no love in any demon. But love comes from God. God is love. When we're operating in love, we are carrying a divine weapon against the demonic weapon of hatred. So we're going to walk today with love. We're going to walk in prayer, and we are going to pray for our nation. We are going to pray for reconciliation. We are going to pray for healing. We are going to pray for an end of of, of racism, an end of bullying, an end of divisiveness, an end of of this demonic attack on people walking in unity and love. So we're going to pray, and we're going to worship. We're going to worship God out there. So if you want to come back, you can. In about an hour and a half, we're going to go out there and do that at noon But if you don't, it's okay. Just pray this week. Just pray this week. Be an advocate this week. Be an advocate this week that you're going to show love to someone who's different than you, someone outside of your family, outside of your friend group. You're going to do something nice. You're going to stop. You're going to listen. You're going to help. You're going to be the good Samaritan. You're going to look for ways to bring healing to people. You say, why, Paul? Because that's what Jesus has called us to do. What good is all of our knowledge if we don't carry a heart of love? What good is all the prophecies that we could study? All the faith that moves the mountains. If we do not have love, we are just clanging cymbals. We're just loud drum sets that have no rhythm, no tempo, no sense. When we start, I need some help this morning. Um, Ashley, there's a bowl right behind you with a towel and some water. And Jesus said, love is servanthood. John 13, Jesus knelt down and began to serve his brothers. Thank you so much. Love you, babe. Thank you. Daniel, where are you from? Will you come on up here? I want someone from another country to come on up here next to to Daniel. Can I I just, if, if you're from another country and you go to our church, you're from... You, you moved here from another country. Will you come on up here? Deb, where are you from? The Congo. I know you're in a dress. So if you want to, you could kind of, however you want to do that. You can sit down here if you want. Um, can I get a few more people that are from just another country? Or just a minority group? If you're from a minority group, would you, can I get maybe a few more people? This Like Jesus got down beside his disciples. And I know this is uncomfortable. Y'all are like, wow, did he plan this? No, this is literally just... I'm just sensing something in my spirit. Come on down here. Come on down here. Come on down here. Yeah. And however you want to sit, you could kind of sit right here. Rob, thanks for coming down. Come on. Rob and I go way back. I helped Rob and Elise get married. I was part of it. I didn't do all, God did most of it. And would you all mind just kind of taking your shoes off if you want to? You could, uh, we need some more chairs for the ladies. If uh, someone could help me grab some, Cole or Mark or a, Pastor AJ. Uh, could, could we just get a few chairs for, the, for, for, for all of them, if possible, for everyone? But Jesus and John 13 said, you are my disciples. You call me teacher. You call me master. You call me leader. But I did not come with entitlements. I did not come to demand privileges. I came to serve. When you serve each other, you fulfill the law of love. In love, serve one another. I had someone last night after service, they said, Is it really important that we wash each other's feet? Do we have to do that? I said, You you don't have to do it literally, but serve each other. Washing the feet, Jesus in that time was just, it was just saying, I'm here to serve. I'm just, I'm here to serve. And, and they would wash each other's feet. Deb, you're amazing. I'm so grateful for you. What's, how long have you lived in uh, the U.S.? 18
1: years. 18 years. 18.
0: And uh, I know this, but the whole church doesn't know this. Tell us about how many kids are in your family.
1: I'm one of sixteen.
0: From where?
1: The Democratic Republic of the Congo.
0: One of sixteen, Democratic of the Republic of the Congo. Ashley and I just think you're such a beautiful woman, and we just think you you carry such a beautiful spirit, and you love our boys so much. And Ellie, thank you, Deb. What's your name? Vili. Where are you from?
2: Um, I was born here, but my parents are from Laos. I'm Bang.
0: We're so honored you're here. How long you been coming to Victory?
2: Um, since 2015. Or yeah, 2015.
1: 2015.
0: Wow. We're so honored you're here. Oh, what's your name? Chanda. Where are you from?
2: Um, I was born here, but my mom's from Zambia.
0: Wow, that's amazing. How long y'all been coming to Victory? Um, I've been coming here since I was very little. We're honored you're here. Thank you for being part of Victory. You make Victory special. I like your dress too. What's your name? Ngosa. How do I pronounce it? Ngosa. Ngosa. Where are you from? Zambia. Yes. Hey, 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 come on. We're honored you're here. Thanks for being part of Victory. Daniel, hey, thank you. Daniel is an usher here. He serves you every single week. Give it up for all the ushers and the greeters and parking lot team. Daniel Santos. I love you, man. You're amazing. Your family, your parents are pastors in, not Lima, Erequipa, Erequipa. And how long have you been at Victory? 2015. How do, you, do you like serving here? Yes, sir. I love it. Come on, man. I'm so grateful for every person who comes to Victory, every single one of you. Whether you come from Broken Arrow, Owasso, Jinx, Sepulpa, Skyatuk. Tulsa or Peru. <laughs> Y'all are like, that's a good group. Or you come from Zambia. What's your name? Demetrius. Demetrius, you're an, you're an awesome man of God. I'm so grateful you're part of Victory. How long you been coming?
2: I started coming about the 1st of March. This year?
0: You, you started coming right when the pandemic really hit. So you've been coming, that's, three months, three and a half months. Do
2: you like it? Man, I love it.
0: We're so honored you're here, man. Thank you, Demetrius. Glad you're coming. What's your name? Rocio. Rocio. Where are you from?
1: Mexico.
0: Come on. We love Mexico. How long you been at Victory? Nine months. Nine months. Come on. We're honored you're here. Do you like it? Love it. Come on. That's good. Praise God. We're so honored you're here. What's your name?
1: My name is Yvette. I'm from Togo and I've been uh, be worshiping Victory now almost like 20 years.
0: 20 years. Come on. I'm so glad you've been coming to Victory.
2: Thank you for being here. And what's your name? My name is Shaylin. Kelly. How long you been coming here? Today is my first day.
0: Come on. Come on. What brought you here?
2: Uh, I worked with one of your uh, security guys, John, and he just invited me. I mean, I just, I had a lot of bad spirits and I really just, just need to get it off my chest. I haven't been to church in like three years. Me and my girlfriend have been going through like some rough times and I just feel like Just need some healing. My dad is a pastor, but I'm not from here. I'm from Arkansas, so it's like I can't get back to see him. And, I mean, just need some help from God. I feel like I kind of lost that that spiritual connection with him. Man, can we pray right now? (laughs) Remind
0: me your first name again. Shailen. God, I just pray for Shailen. I thank you today's a new day. I thank you, God, that you're even bringing healing as he's on this stage right now. God, I thank you for your grace that has brought him to victory today. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus name, God, everything he just shared. God, I pray, Lord, that you bring healing to his heart. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would today just give him a fresh start. Lord, that he would feel your Holy Spirit, your presence, your power, your love from all this church today. And he would know he's accepted. He's forgiven. And, God, that he's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it's a new day. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you, bro. We're honored you're here. We're honored you're here. Come on, tell us your name and how long you've been at Victory.
1: Adimola Adi, that's my full name. I just go by D. That's it.
0: Come on. You're an amazing man of God. You always shout me down when I'm preaching, and I love it. You make me preach better. When you stand up and start going like this, I'm like, yes! I wanna preach more, I'm like, come on, Jesus! How long you been serving?
1: About three years now, three years.
0: Thank you for serving. Thank you for helping. How
1: long you been at Victory? Same thing,
0: Three years, and where are you from?
1: Originally from Nigeria.
0: Come on, we love Nigeria. And I love your suit today. Come on, that is beautiful. Thank you, D. What's your name? Jeremiah. Where are you from?
1: Originally in Columbia.
0: We're so honored you're here, Jeremiah. How long you been coming? 14 years. 14 years. Come on, man. We're so honored you're here. I've never been to Colombia. I've always wanted to go. We're so honored you're here, man. Josué from Brazil. Come on. We love Brazil too. How long you been here? 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. At Victory for 12 years too? Have you been at Victory as well for 12 years? Wow. We're honored you're here. Thank you for being part of Victory. Rob Thompson, my bro. You got anything on your heart you want to share with the church?
2: Just think the word humility. Whenever Jesus talked about healing, humility was always the precursor for healing. And he said he's close to the humble. He rejects the proud. In times like these, it's easy to hold on to what you've always believed or how you've always thought, but it takes humility to listen. It takes humility to to say, God, look in me. Is there anything that you need to change in me? Is there any thought, way of thinking or way of believing or way of acting That you need to grow or you need to heal in me. And as we do that, that's when he brings that healing. Because that humility is there. Thank you for setting the tone today, this morning, for an atmosphere of humility and healing to take place.
0: Tell everyone your name and how long you've been here.
1: I'm Carl Taylor, Jr. I go by CJ. and I've been here since uh, 97, 98. I'm originally from Island, New York. My parents moved me here because they were called by God in the ministry. And I saw a lot of what was going on. People don't know me. This situation, everything's going on in the country. I don't have no people. I just consider myself myself. But I realized I had a lot of pride in my heart, and I realized I need I need to be example. I can't be just standing there cursing the darkness. I need to be a light, no matter what you think. Whatever, no matter what opinion you have on the certain situation, no matter what you see, what's going on, whatever film or eye you see it, every angle, it's so important. Just, just listen, observe, pray. It's so important. Thank you, Paul. When you were saying this message, I mean, initially I was like. Some parts of it, I was like, Ugh. I'm like, "Ugh," but I mean, I, I understand. I understand what your heart. I, I know you for years, man. I, I understand it, man. I believe it. I trust you, man, because you you're, you're called by God.
0: Church, I believe that healing can happen in our nation when we walk in humility and love. Take everything I said today and just, I don't know, test it with scripture. Like, I really mean that. If there's anything I said today that you go, "Ah, I I don't know about that. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the gospels where Jesus lived and he taught. And I'm not saying that with like a condescending. Please hear my heart. I'm genuine. Like, I... I'll go back to the office after this and I will think through every word I said, because I got a mean text message after last service. Someone who said, you shouldn't have said it like this. This is really raw. Like I didn't plan or prepare any of this. It's just coming from the heart. I had a whole prepared sermon I was going to preach and God said, throw it out and preach what I'm preaching. So if it came out too raw and you're uncomfortable, just just go to your Bibles and just go, okay, well that. That that does make sense, or he could have said it that way, but just know that my heart is to bring healing to our country. That's all I wanna do. Can we stand up on our feet today? We're gonna go outside, and we're gonna just walk and pray, and I read a book six years ago called Circle Maker. In the book is this pastor who walked around the Washington, D.C. area, and he prayed for every inch of Washington, D.C. to be filled with God's glory to bring healing, to bring hope. And the whole point of the book was that there's power in walking and praying together, walking and worshiping, walking and praying. This is a territory situation right now where the enemy would love to take territory in America and the world. When I say the enemy, I mean the prince, like literally the devil in the Bible wanted to destroy the human race by getting them divided and angry and hurting one another. Jesus came to bring healing and reconciliation. So we're going to go outside today and we are just going to pray that this nation would experience healing, hope and restoration, reconciliation. Before we do, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you're not right with God, and you want to surrender your heart to Jesus. I don't want to end service without giving you a chance. To let Jesus be Lord of your life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Today you're saying, I want to surrender. I need to repent. I need to get things right with God. I don't know if I spend eternity in heaven today because there's some things that aren't right. I need to get things right with God. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I'm all yours, God. I receive your love, and I choose to walk in your love towards all people. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing before we go out, I'm going to say a confession. You could say it with me if you want to, if you feel good about saying it. We're going to put the words on the screen. It's just a confession of what we just preached on today. I wrote it down in my notes, something that I want to carry out. So if you want to say this with me, just repeat after me. I believe that every person is made and the wonderful image of God. I believe that God has created each of us unique and special. I believe God loves me unconditionally so that I can love others unconditionally. I commit to treat every person, regardless of color, culture, age, size, gender, or economic conditions the way that Jesus would treat them. I will show respect and honor to all of God's creation. I will use my influence however and whenever to put a stop towards racism, towards bullying and disrespect. I will build bridges of peace and I will work to stop the division. I will be intentional about loving others, and celebrating their uniqueness. I dedicate myself to a lifestyle of God's unconditional love for all people. Amen. Let's go walk, church.